0: We are back on the X of 52 podcast. It is Monday morning, April 3rd. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by Masters Banks. It's Masters Week. Is it, uh, Brian, it is, is this the best week of your year?
1: It's definitely the best week of the year. Hell, my birthday is on Tuesday. It's tomorrow. Oh, so I'm huge. fired up about that. Well, honestly, who gives a rat's ass about my birthday? But Masters I mean, Week, that's for, what it's all about. And for, I, I love that you opened with Thrill Victory. This could be a whole discussion in itself because the piano theme I believe it's called augusta gets all the shine but I think thrill of victory is equally if not a better song and it gets you all fired up when you think you about the, think about all the highlights like yeah. the post round highlights and and people pouring in putts on 15 for eagle and all that good stuff. I love it. Because that's I love Thrill of Victory.
0: Yeah, because the piano theme, it they like take that into commercial, I feel like. Whereas Thrill of Victory, they start off the Sunday telecast with it, and you get Nance going over it and uh here's what happened yesterday on moving day with Woods making a move on 15, and then like he's just kind of like doing his, you know, his sort of stead, sort of sturdy Nance, you know, commentary over all these great highlights. And yeah, Thrill of Victory. Uh, you know, it, it just gets gets the juices flowing. I love the piano theme too, but that's definitely a little bit more of the a sleepy kind of, uh, old school vibe that, uh, the masters definitely still has. But, uh, to me, that's really what the competition's all about. And it gets me fired up too. So yeah, here we are masters week, definitely my favorite sporting week of the year too. I think, uh, especially as I've gotten a little bit more into adulthood, gravitated more towards golf, this really is what it's all about. And, uh, I don't know what's kind of, what's kind of your relationship to the masters. I, you know, I'm guessing it's your favorite sporting event, but just give me the, uh, just give me the overall vibe as we head into this week and uh what it's like to head into this week every year for you
1: I probably come from a similar background of sorts where like of course I watched all the golf tournaments and all the majors and all those things when I was younger but as the years have gone by and I've, I've you know grown into adulthood like this is it this is the week like this is the one um and every year especially as i've started to pick up the golf content um on the blog at barstool and everything it just becomes a little more and a little more and it's i love writing about it i love doing the daily recaps i love handicapping it had a big win with scotty last year on a bet that i put in pretty much while he was on the back nine at the waste management so that was like right at peak value before he just took off and um i'm excited to get back into it again like it's it's there's always something like a storyline that kind of dictates or defines the masters. We had 2000, we had the November masters post COVID. That was pretty bizarre. Dustin Johnson doing his thing there. 2021 was of course like the the infamous bow by Hideki Matsuyama's caddy. And Famous. Infamous everything is that was Behind that.
0: Is In, it infamous is bad? Well, I mean, so, I, like, I, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure you would, you would call it the famous bow as opposed to the infamous bow. I'm not sure that I agree with you on
1: that per se. Like I get what you're saying. Infamous. Oftentimes it means like somebody, somebody's gaff. like the infamous Lee Evans drop is, is kind of what you're associating that with. But I think,
0: I think it works both ways infamous all right let's this is a great way to start off our preview infamous uh by oxford well known for some bad quality or deed wicked abominable uh (laughs) deprived of all or some citizens rights as a consequence of conviction for a serious crime so yeah maybe maybe let's go with famous on that for for i think shoto is his name. his bow there
1: yeah okay hand up on that it was great (laughs) it was iconic iconic is what i was looking for there iconic
0: Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's it's definitely
1: bridges <laughs> off the rails. here.
0: It's famous. Uh, it's infamous. It's and, iconic.
1: Yeah. Last last year, though, we had Tiger being back. Nobody really had high expectations for him even playing. And then he came out and like the practice rounds were an event. The pictures from it were incredible. And uh, we're getting another year from him. And uh, and we've got the whole live thing that's just hanging out there it's, it's going to be a major storyline. Of course, CBS has come out and said, Hey, we're focused on covering the golf tournament. We're not going to change our coverage for who's on the PGA tour, who's on the live, whatever. I'm sure that's just the master's uh, tournament holding, holding them to just keeping it about golf and, and trying not to like make waves. But um, yeah, I I'm as excited as ever. There's so many great players right now. There's um a quote-unquote big three that are kind of near the peaks of their games but plenty of other young guys that are you know there's 25 to 30 guys that you could make a case could win this thing which yeah. you know if you if you look at all the recent winners there has hardly been anyone deep in the field that has won i think a lot of people think danny willett was Completely out of nowhere and in some ways he kind of was but he came into that week 12th overall in the world Um, So honestly, I want to say and I know I've got this somewhere in this blog. I've been working on um, I think Bubba was the lowest ranked player in the last like 15 years or so you probably have to go back to Charles Schwartzel to get somebody who's really come out of nowhere and won this thing, and that's, so you going to look two at the, years at the in a row
0: board for sure, and that's two years in a row there too. It's just funny with Schwartzel in 2011 and then Bubba in 2012. The first time he won, I guess he's won twice. So yeah, that's interesting. And there there are a lot of guys that we're going to get into. I did want to mention that we got a bumper here to this episode to begin with, where we sat down last week uh, with Dan Rappaport of the Four Play Podcast, uh, sort of one of your your partners in crime over there at Barstool, who uh, is. Originally from the Big J journalism uh, world of uh, golf coverage, I think he was was it Golf Digest that he was with uh, initially. Mm-hmm. Um, big friend of Matt Fitzpatrick's, uh, and done some really great feature writing over the years, and uh, just a, a really good dude. Sat oh down with God. us, yeah, just an awesome dude. Sat down with us for like thirty minutes and gave us sort of his takes on that. So stay tuned for all that. But we're gonna we're gonna jump into this with a preview of our own, and uh, I can tell you you're chomping at the bit here. Um, and you mentioned some good things, like I'm I'm curious where you net out on the coverage of the event and where you net out on the self reverential nature of it. Uh, Cause I, I do like it the, I think they were reaching a fever pitch with it a couple of years ago where they were tweeting out a couple weeks before like the masters can would like tweet out videos of like cutting the grass with the scissors and like the spray painting. And like, I kind of started to get a little bit maybe over that sort of stuff, but it feels like they've peeled back on that a little bit in recent years. Maybe they started, started to uh, as they usually do, they started, you know, took the temperature of it. Uh, of what people thought and um, made some appropriate changes. And uh, yeah, we, we just, where do you, you, net out on hello friends and patrons and all that kind of stuff.
1: I love the hello friends. It's just your warm greeting that just, you know, your home, you know, it's, it's the masters. It's that's why he <laughs> says it. Um, but it's clear that they've definitely like shifted their coverage to cater more towards that younger crowd um the hello friends and, the, and what you're describing with the scissor cutting and and some of the things you still get that for sure and that's part of part of the allure of the masters but it was definitely more catered towards the sleepy dad in the recliner age 45 that um, makes this appointment television and they they kind of just let whoever follows it over the years they kind of put that in those people's hands to teach their their <laughs> Their their younger generations about what the Masters is all about. Whereas I feel like the last couple of years, you see, you see them do that content with uh, was it Dude Perfect last year or whoever, <laughs> where they were doing different sports challenges. I mean, they've they've really gone outside the box, and I think it has a lot to do with the changing of the guard at the top with the Augusta National Golf Club. Um, I think chairperson Fred Ridley is just all about shifting a lot of old narratives and there's some nasty narratives that exist deep in the history of Augusta national. I think they've really tried to be proactive about changing those narratives and giving back even more to the community and, and worldwide golf. They've, you know, I, it's my favorite thing to mention on these podcasts and things like that. Um, this time of year, but I did a job interview in early 2020 just before COVID with Augusta national I had the opportunity to be on the grounds and, do all that amazing stuff and see with my own two eyes. Um, But in terms of the interview itself and the things they were talking about, the amount of investment that they're putting into um, just technologies and and modern social media, their connection with IBM and how they always have something that's just something you haven't even thought about, um, is they're just like the innovators in that sense. So I think that's been really cool the way they've pivoted there and are kind of leading the, from the front with regards to that. And then they're like investing in all these amateur golf tournament, amateur, sorry, amateur golf tournaments around the world, um, the Asia Pacific and and some of these other ones. Um, and they're even, they even made a point to invite the, uh, the NCAA champion this year by special invite. So I think that's going to be a thing moving forward. Um, they're just kind of, taking a lot of these traditions and making it more modern, which I think is really cool. And I sent you, uh, Dan managed to send us uh, the media guide for this year. And boy, is that thing spectacular. Um, It just goes to show how, and I saw this during my interview process too, they have everything down to like a science. Like everything is done just like at the highest level, organized, thorough, They had this itinerary for me from a day at Augusta National that was like, more or less by the minute, like picked up at hotel at this minute and like at the gate at this minute, talk to this person about credentials at this minute. And like, everything is just like very finely tuned. It's the best way I can put it is everything regarding Augusta National, the Masters is finely tuned to the highest
0: regard. Yeah. And you can see it with literally everything they do and even if i am getting or i was getting a little bit over some of the uh the syrupy like self-coverage with like the videos that they would tweet out and stuff it's all like it's all amazing production quality and you appreciate what they're doing with it and stuff like that and um yeah i mean you you mentioned some of the stuff there with you know the the history of it which is not great uh you know you you got to give them some credit and i think in particular fred ridley credit for getting out ahead of that stuff and trying to move them forward in a productive way with the Augusta National Women's Amateur, which uh, wrapped up yesterday with Rose Zhang winning, winning that, which was quite a sight. I think uh, people were kind of having having trouble getting over the finish line there, uh, her included, but she uh, she found a way to get it done. So it's cool to see them get out there and play it. You know, they do the drive, ship and putt. Uh, they honored Lee Elder, thankfully, right before he passed away, uh, who was the first yeah. uh, black man to compete in the Masters. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, there's some sorted stuff in their past for sure, but they're, they're doing, I think about as good a job of acknowledging that and moving forward from that without like really kind of detonating themselves. Like, a, and you know, you're in a tough spot when you're Fred Ridley with that kind of stuff. But I think he's doing about as good of a job as you can you can ask. So it's nice to see and uh, hopefully we get more of that. And I think we're going to get more of that. But yeah, I mean, to the other more lighthearted stuff, like the to the coverage things and the way that you can interact with this tournament, I mean, it's second to none in anything, in any sport, and almost anything. Like to your point with, your itinerary, it kind of reminds me of what you see with their app, which is maybe the best app ever created, um, where you can pull up players and you can watch every single shot. You can follow them all live and they have all these different feeds and all these things. And they have the IBM Watson involvement. And now this year they're incorporating some uh, artificial intelligence commentary, which uh, I don't know if I love that, honestly. But uh, if anyone's <laughs> going to be at the cutting edge of that and uh, make it into something <laughs> cool, I think they're going to do a good job with it at least. So. I don't know. I, I'm also like reminded of, I think this was the COVID year. For some reason there was some like audio glitch or something on one of their feeds and there was just no commentary. And I just remembered watching maybe that like half of or all of that Saturday just with no commentary and just watching players just hit shots and just like go through their process. Like I thought that was really cool. So hopefully like they incorporated a little bit of that um, even just kind of like paring it down and making it more minimalist. I think that would be cool. But they're going to do what they're going to do. And um, yeah, I guess that's enough on coverage. We're about 10 minutes in here. So how about we start talking about the tournament proper 2023 Masters? Uh, you mentioned last year we had uh, Scotty Scheffler coming in. Hot is all get out. I actually placed a bet on Scotty ahead of that as well. I went to a Caps game like last winter, um, my first ever Caps game. And Maryland sports betting is still not legal online. So, like I went, you can actually. The one, one of the places that you could do it online was in the Capitals Arena because they had like the sports book there and there was some kind of like technicality with it. So, I placed a bet on Scotty, won a couple bones off of him uh, a few months prior. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's enough of us fluffing uh, our, our own <laughs> betting record a little bit there. Uh, but he's, I bring that up in aid of saying that he's doing the same thing again this year, it feels like, where he goes out and wins at Phoenix again and then he wins the players, which is, uh, maybe the hardest victory that uh, you know he's probably won on tour. You know, not counting the Masters, obviously. But we get into that with Dan a little bit. But yeah, it just feels like Scotty is the favorite with a bullet right now. Uh, looking at a sports book that I use, he currently is tied as the favorite at plus seven hundred for outright winner with Rory McIlroy at the same number behind him. Jean Rahm at plus nine hundred. Then you get a little bit of a steeper fall off with Jordan Spieth plus sixteen hundred. Patrick Cantlay at plus 1800 is fifth favorite to outright win on my sports book that I'm looking at here. So that's your, your top five as I'm seeing it right now. What do what you, what are you seeing on the barstool sports book? How's all that shaken out for you?
1: Uh, well there they've got Scheffler as a slight favorite over Rory, which I think is appropriate. Um, I've been very fascinated by John Rahm having, he was a clear cut favorite as recently as probably three weeks ago and, you know, Scheffler winning the players and having a strong showing at, at the match play, despite not winning it has a lot to do with that. Um, along with Rom, like, you know, he, just like Dan says here in this, this interview when we we talk with him, you'll hear shortly. Um, he had it all in front of him. He he was out in front in Bay Hill and, and then has pretty much fallen apart at the seams. Um, you know, match play is always tough to gauge whether a player is truly playing well or poorly just because it's mano mono mano and the stats don't typically shine through it per se, but um, it's it's hard to fathom that how, f- you know, it's it's not like he's fallen off the map or anything, but he was so clearly the guy, and now it's like, wow, he's behind these other two by a smidge, and um, I'm not convinced that he can't just turn it on because I think all things considered versus these other two guys Um, in today's day and age. I think John Rahm is the best player in the world, most talented, most complete player. You know, Rory obviously had his heyday a decade ago. It might be more talented, but like John Rahm just as a complete package. And I would expect him to win here at least once, maybe multiple times in his career. And it looked like this year might be that year where he does it. And I'm not so sure now. Um, So That's kind of my picture there at the top of the board. Um, You mentioned Spieth is there around that fourth or fifth spot. Um, He's tied with Cantley for fourth on the Barstool Sportsbook. Um, He's going to be there as long as he's not that lost self he was in 2020. He's going to be near the top of every board, whether he's in great form or just good form. It's just this Jordan Spieth effect. I think he's got five top threes in his history here. And there's a strong correlation as to, um, and I think this was, um, Kyle Porter put this out there, his correlation to his like strokes gained from January to Augusta correlates very strongly with his, his eventual results at Augusta. And he's closer to the the types of years that landed him in the, in those top threes at Augusta this year. So there's reason to believe that he is going to play and he's going to play well. And he's going to be potentially in the mix there on Sunday. Now, the next guy on the board outside the top five there is Cameron Smith. And I think he's one of the most interesting guys going into this tournament. Um, he is kind of the, without having won one, he's kind of the, the golden boy when it comes to golfing at Augusta National. I think he's got um, three top tens. Let me, I got to get my cheat sheet back up here in front of me. Uh, three top fives, four top tens all in the last five years. Um, had it right there in front of him, like we talked about with Dan, where he had pretty much caught Scheffler by the tail and Scheffler just kind of made a lucky hole out on three there. I mean, that thing was buzzing when it went into the hole. Um, and, uh, he eventually got got by 12. Um, so with a triple bogey there, so, you know, one hole doesn't make a tournament per se, it cost him kind of dearly last year and kind of threw him out of contention. Um, but there's not a lot of reason to believe he can't come back here and, and contend again and do the same old that he has year over year. He's yeah. just so crafty around the greens and that's what you need here.
0: Yeah, a little bit. And it's interesting. Like it's, that's one of the things when you look at data Golf's course fit tool, it driving distance is number one, uh, or, I think it's number one, and it's very close with approach. So, your iron play. And Cam is long, you know, he's plenty long. He's long enough. He's not super accurate, but like driving accuracy is way down when you look at their tool. You kind of just got to get it out there and then have a good approach play and be good around the greens. And then Cam is going to make putts, man. Like when he gets that flat stick rolling, like we saw it at the open at St. Andrews last year, he just wouldn't miss anything inside eight feet. And he was doing that at the Masters last year when he was, you know, Manu mano with Scotty. And, you know, Scotty had hold out and he had started to take a little bit of the momentum, but Cam was still alive walking to that 12th tee. And uh, he just did the the thing that he does where he just gets super aggressive and he and he just kind of sees the, sees the moment and the strikes. And sometimes it works out for him and sometimes it doesn't. And uh, he definitely, I don't care what he says, he was going after that pin on 12 and he dunked it like so many guys in the past have done. Like uh, our guy Spieth has done who you hit on there. And uh, a nugget with Spieth is that this is going to be an Easter Sunday masters. Uh, I think Spieth's one masters that he's won other than the other five that he's won over the course of the years, which which is a joke that the, the no leg up guys have that Spieth has like three green jackets already, but he only actually has one, uh, cause he just gets so close, uh, so many times, you know, 2016 with Willett, he was very close 2018. He rolled in that putt on 16 and, uh, Patrick Reed, of course, you know, came away with that, unfortunately. And, uh, he played well in 2021, I think. So he's just always kind of always in the mix. But um, yeah, that Easter Sunday, there, there's a link there. I think his, uh, when he um, came back in 2021 after he had had all those struggles, I think he won the Valero Texas Open, uh, which was won today by Corey Connors, uh, which we shouldn't you know spend too much time on. But I think Spieth won that on Easter Sunday. Uh, so yeah, will he be risen? Will he, the uh, resurrection be complete? That's uh, certainly another thing to track. Katelyn, I really like you know, all the numbers, I'm sure they check out this, that, and the other, but he's just, he is not a major championship performer to me until he is. And um, I don't know, I got nothing against him. Um, He had a a nice interview with no laying up and uh, he just did the thing that he does where he's just kind of a dial tone and he's just like, yeah, you know, I'll get there and I'll do all my preparation and uh, my work will be a result of that preparation. Just very, very robotic, very can't lay. And um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but he's, It's funny, he was actually in the mix in that 2019 Masters where a bunch of the guys were, and then Tiger came away with it. But that's really the only major championship performance of his that's memorable to me at all. So I'm going to need to see it from him first, and maybe it'll be this year. And then that does bring me to that top trio that you mentioned with Rom, Rory, and Scheffler. And those guys are so interesting to me, and it's something that I wish I had articulated a little bit better with Dan, and you'll hear more on that, but it's almost like an unholy Trinity to me. And uh, it's funny with with how religious Scotty is, but it's like Scotty is kind of like the uh, Scotty's kind of the, the metal in the middle of the two sides of this coin where Rory and Rom are both head cases, but in very different ways. Like Rory is a very introspective head case where everything kind of sticks with him. And, Everything is just sort of like, and especially when it comes to this tournament where he's got a lot of demons, like he's trying all these different things and he's trying to like make people, he's trying to convince people that he doesn't care. And he's trying to convince himself that he doesn't really care. And like, it's not that big a deal, but it really is. And he kind of internalizes a lot of it. And then John Rahm, he has been in the mix of this tournament. He was in 2018 when he was still kind of a younger, lesser known guy. And he goes out there and that was kind of the first sort of like glimpse into John Rom, the, the fiery head case, the other side of that coin where he's sort of losing his, losing his cool a little bit. And uh, you could tell that his, his poor play was affecting him. And uh, that's the other side of that, that deal a little bit. And I think Rom is definitely, you know, he's, he's a good dude. It's something against him, And he certainly cleaned up some of those antics uh, in recent years, but it's still in there, man. Like you still see it sometimes. And uh, you know, maybe we see it this year if he gets into the mix and then in the middle is Scheffler. And like, that's probably why he would be, if I had to, make a pick with a gun to my head, the guy to win this tournament. It's because he has all the game that those guys have, but it's just like very much what other people think of me, you know, is none of my business. And I'm just going to just let my business take care of itself. And Ted Scott's going to talk me through everything. And we're just going to play kind of slow and I'm just going to hit every fairway and I'm going to be great with my wedges and I'm going to make everything inside eight feet, just kind of that, uh, that metronome there. So it, it's a very interesting sort of, Top five, top six that we've uh, we've gone through there. Who else is uh, sort of jumping out to you as far as odds go?
1: As far as odds go, I think we talked about this with Dan too. Like Justin Thomas, he he's just not had a strong twenty twenty three so far. But I can't shake the notion that this golf course was made for him to win at. Like he has, like you mentioned, adequate length. He definitely is a second shot type of guy. He's crispy around the greens when it comes to like bumping, bumping chips into slopes and, and reading greens and being creative and all those types of things that are supposed to lead to success here. Um He's got two top tens. He's got a fourth place finish in 2020 in that fall masters. And he's got um a little bit of a backdoor eighth place finish last year, but he's never really been in the mix whatsoever. And that's just, stunning to me. Like, he's, he's like too
0: good of a golfer. And he's really, he's really thirsty for it. You know, like he's, he's kind of, a th- I think that's almost his problem. Yeah. He's a thirsty guy in some ways. And I like JT a lot, but like, he's very aware of his position within the game. And I think he wants to be famous and he wants to be tiger's best friend and he wants to be, you know, paling around with Michael Jordan. And like, I think that's all great. Like, I think it's part of what makes him a great competitor, but I think there's nothing more that he wants in his life. Save for the safety of his, you know, wife and family and everything like that, than to wear the green jacket, and I think that does kind of similar to Rory. I think it maybe does get into his head a little bit, and I think maybe the the addition of bones within the last couple of years could be the the key to helping him unlock that because I think that was a big part of him breaking through in a major finally again last year. Um, so yeah, hopefully like it does happen, but like we like we hit on in the in the interview, like he just has not had the game this year.
1: No, I mean it's not like he's been dog shit or anything, but it's just been kind of meh. he's just kind of been going through the motions fell out of the top 10 for the first time in his career uh or not his career but like for the first time since he kind of came onto the scene near the top of the game um so he like i kind of like him as a value around 22 to 1 but it could very well be a ticket that i'm just looking at like oh i just got burned again like i did this with justin rose for years especially after he uh lost to sergio in that playoff that he should have won like that one hurt a lot but he would just consistently be near the top of leaderboards. And then one year I like pushed all the chips into the middle for Justin Rose and he missed the cut for the first time in his career. And he was like 17 of 17 on cuts or something at the time, but
0: he was in the mix a couple years ago, wasn't he with Hideki?
1: Yeah. Maybe he GC sprinted out to a four stroke lead and that was the first year I'd quit him. So I was (laughs) like, what the fuck is going on here? I hate that. But yeah, (laughs) JT, like I, He's going to be my typical guy that it's going to be Thursday at, you know, 7 15 AM and I'm looking at the board and I'm just in a staring contest with it. Like whether I'm not, whether or not I'm going to go for it and bet it. And I'm probably going to end up going for it. I'm just, you know, Charlie Brown kicking the football. I'm just going to get suckered into it all over again. And the thing is if I don't do it and he wins, I'll hate myself more than anything. So
0: yeah.
1: Um, that's just the, the gambling in a nutshell, I suppose.
0: Yeah, but, and it's um, it's a tournament that engenders a lot of emotion and like gambling and emotions are unfortunately kind of linked for a lot of people, especially, you know, just sort of regular schmo, uh, schmoes like us. Um, and it's like, hey, I, I really want this guy to win. And you might not even be saying this to yourself on the surface. It might be more of a subconscious thing, but it's like you wish cast these bets into place. And like, that's where I'm looking a little bit further down the board. With a Max Homa at plus 2,500, that would be just super interesting if he were to break through. Like, If he's ever going to win a major, it feels like it's going to be a PGA You know, when there's just a bunch of random guys at the top of the leaderboard and somebody grabs it. Or maybe it's like a U.S. Open where he just ball strikes his way to a victory and kind of outlasts everyone. I don't know if I can see it being a Masters, but that would be super interesting. He's at plus 2,500. Same odds as Dustin Johnson, who, like you said, won here three years ago, who is always going to have the game to win here. And is always going to have the mental fortitude to that conversation. Uh, so he's 2,500 as well, but even above those guys. And I'm surprised you haven't even hit on him yet. Is your guy, Jai Dai, Jason Day at plus 2,200.
1: Yeah, I almost like didn't want to get into it because I feel like we talked about it with, um, with Dan so much. But I've just been on Jason Day for a month and a half. Like he's been kind of my get in now before it goes up. And sure enough, it's gone from like 40 to one to about 25 to one. 25 to 1 probably seems about right. You know, I've loved the way that Day has played in recent months and, and that he's looking closer to his old self than how he looked the last two or three years. And he's been dealing with his mother passing, who he is very, very close with, um, always the back injuries and then even these quirky little <laughs> um, what vertigo episodes or whatever he had going on um he hasn't like been close like super close to winning but he's been close enough where i really like the value where that is and he's got some solid history at augusta um you know we talked about that with with dan too he finished like second or third in one of his first masters and he followed that up with some other solid finishes i'm scrolling my sheet here yeah second a third a tenth a fifth in the mix here but he hasn't done it in a while so it's there's some solid risk involved there but i love his game and i love the way he's kind of the way cameron smith was or is nowadays back in the day when he could make any putt i mean he's one of the best putters in the world and this is a course where if you just catch heat like you know you can easily win a tournament here so i love him i think another interesting one and this is gonna when i talk about him specifically here i like i'm thinking about all the the one-off golf pools that all the, the casual sports fans throw together. They love to just get super into the masters. And there's always people that are all about a given name because they just associate it with the masters and the fact that he's played well at majors. But I think Will Taurus there at 33 to one. Um, I, I suppose that price is a fair one, but I, I wouldn't be the guy jumping out of his seat at your given calcutta or your pool or whatever you're doing just being all about will zal torres because just because he's had the two good finishes here like he has not played particularly well since having a pretty serious back injury that kept him out of the tour championship so bad that like he walked away from like millions of dollars like if he had just gutted his way through that with the starting stroke system that they have at the tour championship he it was a difference between i think walking away with I think he walked away with like 500K for finishing 30th at the Tour Championship by effectively withdrawing. And if he just did something different, like it could have been a lot, like he would have earned a lot more money. But anyways, he just hasn't been himself since that injury. I mean, he mixed in a fourth-place finish at the Genesis. And that's, you know, not a tournament to shake a stick at. But there's just not enough else going on with his game right now for me to feel comfortable betting him.
0: Yeah, I got an open ticket on him from February 6th, so that was probably right around the Genesis, and I'm sure he was trending a lot more than he is right now, which is to say not at all. And I think that the back injury, you know, it, it seems to be more serious than he maybe initially let on, and I think he's dealing with some confidence stuff too, man. Like, that putting stroke is just brutal. And, like, when you listen to him talk about it, like, he's almost, and, like, this is probably a good thing for him in a general sense, but he's almost got such a fuck you attitude about, like, being a yeah. competitor and not in a bad way or like, you know, being a, an asshole, but he like, he's definitely like, he's pretty surly about the fact that people don't, you know, think that his putting stroke is very effective and he's got a chip on his shoulder about it. And, um, you know, it served him well in the, uh, what was that the FedEx St. Jude last year when he poured in that putt and he screamed at the camera and he went on to win that playoff. Like that was awesome. But it seems mm-hmm. like that you know, he was kind of had it all duct taped together at that point, And it seems like the rails have come off a little bit. And I got him at plus 2200 back in February. I think I still kind of like those odds um, with where, you know, with where this tournament is where weird things can happen. And he could go out there and maybe find form for four days. That would be that would be really nice to see because he's a guy that I don't know if I'd say he's gotten bad breaks in majors because I don't necessarily believe in bad breaks. But like he's been on the wrong side of a lot of a lot of battles in majors, at least relative to how many that he's been in up to this point where he had Fitzpatrick out duel him at the U S open. And he sneaks into that playoff with JT and like, you know, it made more sense to see G- JT as the more, you know, tenured guy walk away with that. But it just feels like Will's been waiting to break through in a major for a couple years at this point, And that would be really nice to see. So yeah, I mean, that's uh, of the winner's bets of which I have four here. That's one that I'm rooting for another one that I placed, Back on March 14th, so a couple weeks ago, was Cameron Young, and I think mm-hmm. I got him at plus 3500, and I believe he's still at that with my sports book that I'm looking at here, and that will be a pretty hefty little payout. But he is trending pretty well right now too. He just had a big performance mm-hmm. at the Dell Match Play, uh, and he added Paul Tissory to his bag, who helped Webb Simpson win the U.S. Open. Um, so yeah, Cameron Young just has all the game in the world, but he's another guy that we're going to need to see him break through first. And I don't even think he's won like a standard PGA tour tournament yet. So this would be a pretty massive breakthrough.
1: It would be. And he's been my, my quote unquote FOMO guy, like Tony Finau was where I just bet him relentlessly every single week. Until he won, just figuring like it has to happen at some point. There's no way this, in theory, is a losing ticket if you just keep betting it because it has to happen. At some you were start. trying to make money on and Apple
0: it, stock with that, like just every week, just, you know, hammer it hammer yeah. and hammer it
1: Like in the long run. It's a winner. Um it's, hard, it's it's challenging to envision the breakthrough happening at a tournament like this one. But you never know. Like, he does have that type of game he has potential top five player in the game material like he hits absolute bombs and he's got the tempo and 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 the ball striking like he's got a complete you know game it's just it's just like i said like it's clearly he's starting to shift into that that window where it's like is he ever gonna win? Like, yeah. does, he, does he have that winner? There's a there's a in sweet him? spot. Like, in yeah. DNA? there's
0: a sweet spot where you're then, young enough and you've got enough game. And it's like, oh, this guy's just gonna win everything. But if you don't jump on it quick, like if you don't break through like Scotty did or like some other guys have, and like it starts to follow you, like it did with Fina, like it's starting to with Zalatoris and Majors, like he's getting there.
1: Yeah, he was my guy at the top of the of the calendar year as to like, let's keep an eye on him because if he wins, he could be the 2023 Scotty Scheffler. Cause that's exactly what Scheffler was going into 2022. Like he just was young enough, like you said, but still it was like, Oh, does he, is he like a winner though? Like, is it in his DNA? And Cameron Young is in that bucket and he hasn't broken through. He hasn't done it yet. And I think, I think too much is made of that from like a narrative standpoint But with that said, like once it lingers long enough, it has to seep into your subconscious. And I don't think we're there yet where we have to start worrying about that with Cameron Young. But at some point, it becomes that if he doesn't, like I could see him going out and winning the Wells Fargo in a month or so. Like that could be like a place where he could break through and do something like that. Is it going to be here though? I don't know. Like it's, you can't rule it out at all. But I'm not jumping on. I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm looking at 25 to 1 on barcel i like 35 to 1 though i will say that so yeah. if you're looking at whatever book jake is looking at that's interesting i'll say
0: it yeah it's uh it's I, i'm certainly glad to have that because he's to your point he's got all the game like he's got the 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 paws at the top of the backswing which is sweet i mean that's just like vibe points right there for you and uh Solid player. He's wearing the uh, the MLB logo on his collars, which is always very nice to see, uh, see. See the boys of summer get a shout out. Love Rob Manfred and the guys. You know, getting getting their getting their nut off of uh, Cameron Young's collar there. Uh, so yeah, he's and he's. I, I think he's a guy who you mentioned it getting into their head. Like, I think it would get into like a Tony Finau's head. Who to that conversation with like Rory? I think Tony is an introspective guy a little bit. And uh, he was maybe, I, I would think, starting to get a little bit miffed before he won that FedEx Cup playoff event uh, and sort of got that monkey off his back and started winning a ton. Uh, I, I think just Cam Young, I like, part of me just feels like he doesn't give a shit how he's perceived, at least yet. And, like, he did just make the caddy change, so he's got that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, like, I've got a little bit more time now. Like, I, I just made a big change. And he's also, like, 25 years old and has, like, a kid and... <laughs> just like he's just so dude, dude. yeah it's interesting he's just like kind of he's just one of those dudes where he's just he's just he's got his shit together and he doesn't really care what people think and like he almost went to live too which is another thing with him where it's like yeah i don't care like i'm just you know i'm just out here doing my own thing so it's yeah it's anathema a little bit to the jts and some of these other guys of the world that are like very aware and they they very much care how people perceive them a little bit and i don't think one is necessarily better than the other but it's just an interesting dynamic
1: I, I do, <laughs> I was at the Tour Championship with, uh, with the MRAGs because we had the whole video game, the the PGA Tour 2K23, uh, kind of like a release party type thing going on. And uh, he was practicing just trying to hit out of some different lies uh, around 18 there at Eastlake. And um, MRAGs actually went, I don't remember if it was at the same time, but went to the same high school as Cameron Young did. And so we tried to chat him up about it and he was just like, not really, not really all that friendly. Like it's one of those things where it's like, I get it. Like you're, you're working, you're, but there's like nobody else on the golf course. This is not, this is like Tuesday, whereas Wednesday, I think the public comes in and does a lot of practice around stuff. And there's a lot more interaction and you can expect to have that type of interaction if you're a player, but Tuesday, I don't know. He just kind of rubbed rubbed me the wrong way. He's a little surly about it. That could be totally unfair, but um, <laughs> it's just <laughs> a look into the mind of Cam He might just be a guy who's like so – dialed into like what he's doing that the emotions are just
0: I think it is like know, his whatever
1: it's like Patrick Cantley a little bit too.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the comparison that I was thinking of a little bit there. He's just kind of he's just there to do his own shit. Like he doesn't really like he's not he's not trying to make friends. He's not like he's not like JT trying to, you know, schmooze with Tiger and like whatever and like I don't know maybe if he got the opportunity he would but he's just not very outgoing. Like he's there to, he's there to do a job and like to the, to the thing about going to live, it's, it's a job to him. Like, you know, and I'm sure he'd love to be in the history books, but it doesn't seem to be top of mind to him all the time. But I don't know. The Paul thing to me is very interesting. Like the, because of the Ted Scott, Scotty Scheffler thing, which happened right before Scotty's breakout, I think everyone's kind of naturally making that comparison. So that could be uh that could be an interesting breakthrough. Also, kind of looks like a, a Teen Wolf type character with the way that his flow goes back, and he's got the big beard going and the, okay. the forearms. So yeah, love Cam Young. That's great. I think we've kind of we've really gone through the leaderboard here pretty well. Anyone else jumping out to you? Sam Burns plus thirty five hundred on my book. Uh, Hideki is a past champion at plus four thousand. Minwoo Lee sixty five hundred. He took it low here. You know, a couple years ago. Who's who's jumping out to you?
1: I like Minwoo as a potential top 10 guy. Uh, it's again, like, like we saw at the players. Like if you are trying to break through for that first win at a place where everyone else has maybe gotten that win, but they're looking to kind of elevate their career. Um, it just seems like a hurdle for, for a guy like Min Woo Lee, who hasn't just had that initial breakthrough, like go win the 3M open or something first, you know, like, let's, don't try to tackle the players. And then the masters, like, you know, as the first thing, like, you just don't see many guys kind of leapfrog, um, in their careers in that sense. So like, I don't know that he's going to win, but I, I like his chances to compete here. He went low in the one, the one round that kind of sticks with me a little bit. Um, Somebody else on the board that's like maybe further down for like a top twenty or something like Brian Harmon. I think there's something to be said about lefties at, at Augusta National. They tend to play well. Um, there's plenty of history of your fills and, and Bubba Watson, um, Mike Weir having success here. Um, so if you find a price there, that would make some sense. Corey Connors, I you know some value probably evaporated by him winning this past week at the Texas Open, but um he's had some good results here too he's finished 10th 8th and 6th in the last three years so he's kind of got a nice little trend going he's um a, not not like the flashiest or most impressive type of guy like he doesn't get anybody going so in that sense he's like under the radar for a lot of the the kind of the squares that are just kind of betting on this blindly and don't really watch golf from week to week he's a he's a strong player i think he I don't know what the win elevated his world rank at, but he's 40th going into this week. He's probably around 25th. Like he's a good player. And um, he always, he's he's always
0: there in majors too. Like that's like anecdotally uh, obviously, but like it feels like, it feels like every time a major comes around, he's just, you know, top 10, top 15, top 20. He's just kind of floating around in that range. And I don't really ever see him winning one of these things. And especially not after he just did down in San Antonio, like, you know, you know, today as we're taping this, but yeah, he's he's always I feel like a, a solid lock for a top twenty in these majors because he's another guy who I think it just stuff just rolls off his back. He's a big dude, like 6'3", hits it far, and uh, just you know good good nature about him, good short game, and just you know gets it done. Very solid player, Corey Connors.
1: Yeah, um, I think there's a little value on Patrick Reed too. I mean, he's put <laughs> together some decent results. He finished T three in Orlando. I know we're doing the whole live thing where it's like, like how much do we even? Like, consider that, like, how do we contextualize it? That's like a huge thing here, but 66 to one, former winner here, great short game.
0: And I think he's going to value there. I think he, especially of all these live guys, like we talk about the conversation of it being like, yeah, maybe there's not going to be a ton of real bad blood. But like, I think those live guys want to go out there and stick it to to the PGA tour guys and stick it to the golf media that has treated them poorly. I think rightfully so, but to each their own. Um, and I think Patrick Reed of all those people, he's got the game to do it. And I think he has the mentality to do it because like we can, we can crap on him all we want. And like, I will, cause I don't think he's a particularly good person. And I, you know, he's, <laughs> he's certainly not, uh, what I would call a, uh, honorable competitor. Uh, some of which I should probably throw the word allegedly out for. Um, but I don't know. He's just, uh, he's a guy who's got all the game and he's got the mental game too. You know, you think back to the Ryder cup when he's, Shush in the crowd and he's going mano a mano with Rory. And, um, you know, he he goes out there and he wins that masters when Spieth is charging, he holds him off. He holds Ricky Fowler off two other fan favorites and he kind of spoiled the party that day. I think he wants to spoil the party this year. And, uh, yeah, he could, he could be a a top 10, uh, top 20 type bet for me for sure.
1: For sure. Uh, just a couple more live guys. I think you made a great point there. I think they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder some guys, I think that might help them. Some guys, I think maybe not so much. But some guys are past guy, it. Like I,
0: Phil's past it, right? Sergio, I think is he wants yeah. to, but I think he's past it. Like I don't think he has a game. But some of these guys have game, man. Like Cam Smith has got yeah. game. I think Kepka, like it hasn't been there in recent years, but like he won today and at Orlando. To your point, flashing a little bit. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So like. Joaquin Neiman, I think, is an interesting one too. Like, clearly a talented guy. If there's one course that's been said to have some correlation between success there and Augusta National, it's Riviera. And Joaquin, everybody there last year didn't get a chance to defend that title this year for obvious reason. I guy and again hard to project how he's playing what his form looks like these days, but 66 to 1 I don't know that that matches up with his talent level So there's probably a little value there on the flip side two guys specifically that I'm staying far far away from live wise Bryson DeChambeau for sure like mr. Par 67 himself uh, No, thank you. He just does not fit here and I know he's just been an absolute free fall um, both world ranking wise and how he's performing on the live tour um don't let the name and the former major title um fool you stay away from him if you're you know just doing your pools with your boys and everything uh the other one is louis tyson there's this gigantic narrative that he is a huge augusta national guy that he always shows out well and he shows out well in majors as a whole which that part is mostly true but since that infamous albatross on
0: two in infamous 2012, yeah.
1: yep yeah infamous well it's infamous because he went on to lose that tournament
0: yeah true like he he Um,
1: lost he lost that playoff so it was a near near miss i think i used that term correctly there even though that that's a phrase that makes no sense to anybody um he his best finish is a 19th and that was like seven years ago um, he makes cuts here, but he just does, does not finish high. He's not hes not the horse at Augusta that you think he is. And I, that perception just seems to follow him every single year. And he just kind of shows up and puts out a middling performance. And um, maybe you could make a case last year because that 2021 year he had where he was in the mix against Phil and he was in the mix. And I forget what other major it was, but he was in the mix. Didn't come up with a win. I know he had that playoff with Tony in the 2021 that – tony's win at liberty national where he just blasted that ball right into the water um he's never won on american soil like that's a crazy thing to think about but his only pga tour win was his open championship win and he has no other pga tour wins like he's not a winner he's just he's not it he's (laughs) so um we've talked about uh, guys
0: like like, we've talked about guys that don't you know all the way care Louis does not give a literal Fuck about golf. Like no. Louis just wants to go to his farm in South Africa and ride his tractors around. Like he he doesn't like he's got amazing game. He's got one of the best swings of all time, and he won that Open Championship, uh, I believe at St Andrews, and that's that's awesome. And I'm sure he loved it. But like he yeah. just he's he took the bag from Live, and I think he is officially checked out. Like he's good for life,
1: for sure. Um, And then like I was saying, I it may have made more sense last year in 2022 where you can make a case for him, but he has not played well on live. He does not play well in the majors last year. Um, 90 to one might look tantalizing just because of name recognition, but I'm staying far away from him in every way.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I certainly would too. And he is kind of that name brand, uh, Type of player for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I mean, like some of the just a couple of names, I guess we can wrap up with going down the leaderboard. Then we can uh, maybe start to push this more towards the interview. But, you know, might sprinkle a little on Keegan. I think at plus 2000 for like a top uh, five and then, you know, 750 for a top 10. Keegan's, I, I think he's been playing a little bit uh, better this year than he had been recently. Gary Woodland plus 3,500 for a top five, 1,200 for a top 10. I think he's had some decent results. Bubba's a live guy at plus twelve hundred for a top ten. You mentioned the history here. I don't know if I would take that. Um, and yeah, I, that's that kind of covers my name. And then we are forty-five plus minutes into a golf podcast, a Masters podcast. Uh, without mentioning this guy, uh, have we moved into a officially moved into a ceremonial role for the cat when it comes to the Masters?
1: Tiger Woods. I sure hope not. <laughs> um, it's, t- it's so tough to say because you just don't see him play. You have no idea what his form looks like. To, I mean, to um, that
0: point, though, we saw him at Riviera, it, and he looked pretty good. It like, was encouraging. Yeah. It was encouraging.
1: And there's no reason to think it won't continue to be encouraging. And I'm sure like this is the downside of us recording this early. Like We're going to catch all the buzz. Fred Couples is going to be on his soapbox Talking about how awesome Tiger's looking in his practice round. Oh, Probably dude, dude, e- Evan shots at Phil along the way. Shout out to Evan like,
0: Priest. He was already he was already on the case. He was like, you know, he took a couple practice swings, a couple half shots, then he went over to the putting green. Then he said goodbye to all of us. He's gonna go out and work on some short game stuff of the course. I'm like, fuck, we're we're getting there. Like it's not like last year
1: only with his wedge and his pottery sticks to his rituals. Like, (laughs)
0: yeah. And it's like, it's not like last year where last year was so exciting because we were tracking the flight and it's like, is he going to play? Is he going to play? And then like, he gets there and he still doesn't like confirm that he's going to play until the 11th hour. But like, yeah, there was so much buzz with it. And I, I don't think he disappointed at all in his performance last year, but this Mm -hmm. year it's much quieter. He's just kind of shown up and there's a lot of other storylines to be following. And he's nowhere near the top of the list. As I mentioned with the fact that we're just talking about him now, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, and that, it was clear last year he was just so fatigued, and that cold, cold Saturday just took the wind out of his sails. Like he was, I, I want to say he was around twentieth place after the first round last year, and, and his second round, like he like kind of flirted with falling far enough back where it was like, ooh, is he going to make the cut? Is he not? And then he made the cut and got paired up with Kevin Kisner, who played an awful round and beat Tiger anyways um, on that Saturday. I think what we've at least seen since particularly at Riviera is that um, he's starting to gain a little more like durability and, and stamina in terms of being able to walk that third and fourth round. Of course, Augusta national is a beast in itself with the Hills and everything. So you don't know until, until you see him out there. So I don't know. It, it will probably be tantalizing and I probably will take him on some unders on Thursday and Friday for his total score. And then the sharp thing to do would probably be to fade him on the weekend if he makes it uh, on that bet. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it looks. If he is in any sort of contention, man, what a story that would be in itself, let alone winning, but like, Oh, yeah. For it's... everything that's going on, all those storylines, the live, PJ Tour, Big Three, all those types of things. Um, yeah, he dominated the headlines last year just by showing up and then eventually playing. But if he can reinsert himself as he always does, um seems to do, like, man, this could be an amazing masters.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, it's it's something where we'll see him play five, six times a year at absolute most, and that's probably stretching it. So every time this guy tees it up, make sure you appreciate it. And that's really where I'm at with it, which is like, you know, I, I don't want to put it out of my head that he could maybe win something um, again in his career, uh, but it does feel like as of right now, it's, it's in a little bit of a quieter stage, and he's maybe just kind of continuing to try to get back to maybe doing that. I don't know if this is necessarily going to be the year. But if it would, I would be all for it because, uh, you know, he's chasing history. And uh, the
1: the, the tough part is like, okay, he's making progress with this injury, but it's not setting back the clock on his age. He's 46 or 47 now.
0: He's a 47 year old restaurateur with a fused back and a, a leg that was shattered into pieces not even two years ago at this point.
1: Yeah. If he had not had some of those injuries or at least like, the the way that they went down, where he's gone through these like long processes, we would probably be at a point where we're talking about like, oh, is he? When when does Father Time start to get him? Anyways, just like naturally, yeah. But he's battling that while also needing the time to kind of like build back up from from what happened. So I don't know. It's it's uh, there might be a tight window if he ever gets one to kind of be back to playing in a way that could help him contend. I, I don't know if that ever comes along again. We'll see.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's kind of too bad that uh he, he just didn't have it for St. Andrews because I felt like that would have been a good chance for him. But um mm-hmm. yeah, it was just that, that was just tough, you know. Um at the end of the year he just he was worn out on that leg and you could just really tell the fatigue was setting in. But yeah, I mean I guess I guess that's all we gotta say on the cat. Um hopefully he turns in a, a good performance, an admirable performance. I just hope we're not like I just hope he has a quietly good tournament and we just walk away. Like he made the cut. He was, you know, within the top 30 or something like that. And like, it's just kind of business as usual. And like, we don't get the grimacing and we don't get like the camera shots. Like which is kind of how it went at Riviera. Like he had a very solid tournament. It was just kind of outside of the uh, incident with JT, which some people glommed onto, um, you know, just a, a quietly, just a quietly solid tournament that he was in contention for, for, you know, more than one day. Like that was a very good. Just kind of, trending in the right direction. So it, it, you know, that's pretty much what I'm hoping for with the cat. Um, I guess we can make our official predictions before we throw it over to Dan, but uh, anyone else standing out to you before we do that?
1: Uh, not particularly. I mean, I'm always going to try to look for uh, some sort of value on Bernard Langer. <laughs> it's always a, an old pastime to see how well the old, the old Wiley guy. He's a he's a there. day one,
0: day two like top ten lock or top twenty lock. Like just you know, sprinkle that right now if you haven't already. Yeah, he
1: he's kind of quietly gone into the night the last couple years, um, but there was the year maybe five six years ago where he was I maybe mean, finished top ten. He finished he finished eighth in twenty fourteen. And then he had a 24th in in 2016. They made three straight cuts in 18, 19, 20, but he's missed the last two cuts. So I'm sure he's got another made cut in there somewhere the next two or three years. So if I find it, I mean, I don't see the odds on it yet, but it'll probably be like plus 350 to make the cut or something. I'm going to go for it. Sure. Love it. And lastly, uh, Sandy Lyle and Larry Mize, final (laughs) masters for them. Swan Song for those two absolute legends sandy lyle at least like provided some good content of him getting up at like 4 30 a.m and being all fired up to go play the masters uh, a year or two ago so i love him for that and then larry mize is your you're just like most at least for who's left just like the most like oh my like who's that guy that won a masters like oh my like he's the most non-distinguishable masters winner so much so that my dad has a green jacket when people ask him if he's won the Masters, he says he's Larry Mize. So. Yeah,
0: and listen, with Jimbo, the way that uh, I'd like to see him rocking like the the uh, overalls or whatever it is that Larry Mize is wearing out there, just to see if we could get the uh, get a side it's by Sandy side. Sandy Lyle.
1: Oh, the is, suspenders.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Sandy Lyle. Yeah, that's okay. Sandy. Yeah. Okay, okay. So Sandy, Lyle, Sandy Lyle is also the uh, the guy who. And if you read Armin Katayan and Jeff Benedict's book on Tiger, I think he was, and this was a story back at the time too, but like <laughs> they asked him like when Tiger was, you know, coming up like, what do you think about Tiger Woods? And he's like, I don't know. I never played that course. And uh, I always thought that was kind of cool because I was like, Sandy Lyle sounds like it could be a course too. Like that he, so he probably like got that from somebody else. And then he used it on Tiger. It's kind of, kind of funny. Good line.
1: <laughs> yeah. He seems like such a character. I, I believe he's Scottish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's Sandy Lyle and Larry, Larry Mize last tournament for them. And then Bernard Langer, we touched on too. He'll probably probably be getting a uh, tap on the shoulder from the green jackets. Like those guys probably did. Uh, and saying like, Hey buddy, you know, thanks for, thanks for playing, but it's <laughs> maybe time to uh, end this. So it's, it's always cool to see the old, old guys still Ooh. kind of puttering around out there
1: though. We'll also keep an eye out for Jeff
0: Knox every time. Yeah. This is his last one too, I think. Right. <laughs> Did they say that? I think it is. I think they're, uh, they're oh. yeah. So Jeff Knox, if nobody knows is the, uh, he's a member at Augusta national uh, who has all sorts of game. Uh, never became a pro for a reason I don't understand, but I think he holds the course record uh, of 61. And uh, so basically like when an odd number of players makes the cut on the weekend, they need a uh, marker to play with uh, the player that will be left out or without a playing partner. So they send out Jeff Knox, who's just this random Augusta member, uh, and uh, he plays with them as the non-competitive marker, and uh, I think he actually beat somebody like straight up. You know, one year he, or two he, years, he
1: took Rory to the woodshed a couple years ago. <laughs> he beat Rory, yeah,
0: with a non-competitive scorecard. He's not even a, like actually in the tournament. He beat Rory. Uh, it's just it's a it's a cool story. He doesn't really get a ton of like buzz on the main telecast, unfortunately. I wish they would give him more shine. But
1: it's it's those those uh, Masters dot streams where you just. We'll catch the odd shot where they're not like necessarily recording him per se, but like it's just there in the background. And it's it's just like it's like a Sasquatch type thing. It's he's a
0: legend. True sickos know about Jeff Knox. Cool guy. If you listen to like interviews with him, he's very like self-effacing about the whole thing. And uh, like I said, he's he's got the game, man. He's uh, he belongs out there. Uh, at least as a non-competitive marker. So that's something that I would like absolutely be losing my mind <laughs> over if I had to do that. Like I would not have the, uh, I would not have the wherewithal. So shout out to him. Uh, but yeah, I guess that, uh, I guess that does it. We ran close to an hour on like, you know, bets and all sorts of stuff and things of that nature. We'll throw it over to our interview with Dan, but before we do that official prediction, who's uh, who's going to be wearing the green jacket, uh at this time or a little bit before this time, one week from today. As we record this.
1: I somehow think John Romm's gonna dig deep and make it happen. I think he's just gonna show up and be the John Rom that we saw the first month and a half of the year. I I know there's a lot to indicate that, that that's not who he is at this given moment, but he just has such a switch that he can turn on. Um I just kind of like him in general and I like the way his number on the betting board has kind of fallen back to a good spot.
0: Yeah, when you're such a unit and you're such a hoss and you just have this short, repeatable backswing that has all the power in the world behind it and you just hit every fairway and you just melt the ball with your irons and you make every putt, that's usually a pretty good formula. So John Rahm, we mentioned that he's kind of third right now or trending third in that trio of Rory, Scotty, and uh, Rahm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a bet that I'd be comfortable taking for sure for him to win this thing outright, so... Yeah, and it will be a good storyline too. He's you know he's got the U.S. Open, but can he add another major uh, onto the uh, onto the trophy shelf there uh, and start to really cement his name in the history books and maybe uh, chase Seve to be the the best Spaniard of all time? Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's very. He's a guy who I think does kind of have the history books on his mind, so that would be interesting to see. And uh, I think just uh, overall a good dude. So like John Rahm, would like it if he were to uh, to wear the green jacket for me. Definitely picking with my heart here. I'm gonna go with Rory gets it done finally.
2: Mm. And
0: I'm like I said, I'm picking with my heart. He's my favorite athlete in the on the planet right now. I think uh, for a lot of different reasons. I think he's really shouldered the uh, shouldered the load of this live PGA Tour battle. He's become the face of the PGA Tour. He is, and no disrespect to Jay Monahan, who's a good dude, but he has kind of done Jay Monahan's job for him in that battle to to a certain extent. Whilst going out there and winning in Canada and winning the tour championship and contending in majors. And I don't know. I just don't think he got his just due last year from the golf gods. I think it was cruel what they did to him on that Sunday at St. Andrews. And I know he did it to himself and you know, bad breaks don't exist. And Cam Smith went out and won that thing, but I don't know. I think, uh, the history was wrong that day. And I think it's going to be right this time around. And Rory's going to go out there and get this thing done and complete the grand slam. Total wish casting, but I'm, I'm just going to make the prediction and run with it because sometimes, you know, it's like the, uh, what's the Batman quote? Like, you know, sometimes people deserve to have their faith rewarded and I want, I want that for Rory.
1: Fair. I mean, yeah, I think we talked a little about the scar tissue here, um, and it's not just 2011. Like he, he had the year where him and Reed were on the first tee in the final pairing. And he just blasted that ball mile, right? <laughs> like it's one of those things where if he gets into a lead on Sunday, you just know that foul ball just could be hit, sitting there waiting for it. It's it, lingering. It, would, it would be, it'll be one of the most nerve wracking rounds that you'll ever watch. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I,
0: that's why you watch no
1: matter who you're rooting for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why you tune in.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, I really want and like am wish casting that scenario and wish casting him getting it done and kind of exercising those demons once and for all. And especially with the way that it ended at St. Andrews last year. I mean, that was just like, a, that was just a fucking gut punch to me and to a lot of people that I think, uh, and especially after cam went to live, like I got nothing against cam Smith personally. He seems like a, a great dude, but it, it just with the the way that that all shook out, it just felt felt like uh, the end of the empire strikes back a little bit. Uh, so yeah, yeah, let's let's get Rory with uh, the return of the Jedi gets it done. The warrior prince um, takes it home. That's my prediction. Cool. Right.
1: I, I mean we we talked a lot about some other guys. I'm just gonna throw out a couple more that I have. Just like I'm on Spieth, I'm on Day. I may look into young at that price that you mentioned, and I think I'm mixing in Corey Connors and uh, Joaquin a little bit. They're down my board on some top finishes, so mm. look out for my blog here coming, uh, dropping Tuesday around noon. I've like pinpointed when exactly they drop the tee times, and it's always between eleven and twelve on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning, and so I'm going to be scheduling my big. Vainy triumphant preview that i do every year probably right after that so look out for that with my official picks i'll also be going on um on uh money shots with uh kelly in vegas doing the thing that i did last year so look out for
0: that as well we will be so you got yourselves a uh we went over an hour on this i don't know what we were planning here necessarily we kind of just like fired no. up the mics and went down the leaderboard but uh over an hour and i think uh our excitement- Uh, shown through. I think this uh, is a very big week for both of us and for a lot of people. And hopefully you guys enjoyed it Uh, getting into a little bit of a golf previewing. It's not something that um, has happened a ton on these airwaves. You know, you you messed around with Josh Rogers a couple years ago and you've, you've had Bryson and Max on the, uh, on the airwaves um, in years past, but yeah, getting into a little bit more golf coverage. I think it's something that you and I are both very excited about. Hopefully the other guys can, you know, get in the mix a little bit more here. Maybe we'll do this for every major. Uh, but this was a lot of fun this time around. And we've got even more for you. We've got a, uh, a a chat, a 30-minute chat coming up here with a guy who really knows what he's talking about, a guy who's on the beat, who is going to be on the grounds at Augusta National this week covering the event uh, and is following the tour week to week in that capacity. It's Dan Rappaport of Barstool Sports of the 4Play podcast. Let's throw it over to Dan.
1: We're joined on the show by a uh, new colleague, well, six months in, um, former Golf Digest, Netflix superstar, Dan Rappaport. How's it going, Dan?
2: It's all good. Thanks for having me. We were talking just now offline. It's, I think it's our first time, I mean, it's not quite meeting, but speaking face-to-face with video involved, not just phone call. So it's nice to see you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, it's the best time of year. I mean, it's it's Masters week. Um, we're recording a little early, so there's... Uh, one more contestant that may or may not be joining the festivities, but we've got 89 golfers, maybe 90 that are going to be playing down at Augusta this week. Um, Tell me about your, your journey here. Like how many times have you done the whole big J thing at at Augusta? I know you're going this year. Um, How many times have you been and, and what are kind of your highlights so far?
2: Yeah, this is number five. Um, which is wild. I feel like I'm getting. I'm really not very old, but I feel like I'm getting up there. I, I went. It was my six players. I, I think I went to one players before I went to the Masters, and that made me like they would do a double take. I was like six of one event. That's that's a lot. Uh, my first year was the one that Tiger won, so it's all downhill from there. <laughs> my my first Masters was 2019. Um, I you know I remember it extremely well. Tiger Woods won the tournament in extremely dramatic fashion. Uh, I remember where I was when I watched. The final putt go in. I remember seeing him walk by when he was doing that walk from 18 to the scoring tent. I, I remember just the mood and the it was just, yeah. It's you know it's one of I think widely considered one of the two best Masters of all time. I mean that in '86 are, are one and two depending on you know what order you have them in. So it's uh, it's kind of been all downhill from there. And I was actually talking about this with someone else that sneaky. The last couple couple Masters have been kind of boring. Um, Scotty was boring last year. He was winning by a jillion. Uh, Hideki also I don't I don't think was very close, and Hideki was also not a very compelling person to watch play golf. Uh, I think that's like fair to say, not not the best watch. And then before that, DJ was also winning by a bunch. So we're we're overdue for like an epic Masters.
0: So what you're saying is yeah, Phil's it, gonna win.
2: I'm not sure. I'm not sure Phil uh, is physically capable of winning. But I think I, I does feel like we're overdue for something big. The last three have just kind of been duds. I
0: hope so.
1: Yeah, it was the it was the Rory Murakawa, you know, antics there. But they were never gonna win. But but they were never gonna win. Even and I feel like this is something that Scheffler and Rom kind of share in in common is every time they think they're like every time it looks like they might be giving you an inch, they just take it right back and it's just
2: yeah, game over. Like Scheffler on
1: Saturday with with the whole thing in the woods there. It's like, oh, this could set up for a good Sunday. And I, I yeah, remember he kind of got five. off to
2: a bad start also on Sunday, I think. And and Cam was playing well, and then he chipped in on three, and it was like, oh, because yeah, no, that's what it was. He hit his drive like way up there on three, and then he kind of fatted the second shot, and, and it was like, oh, okay,
0: yeah. He got a disgraceful TIO relief from that scoreboard, and then he chipped in from there. I, I will always remember that. Love Scotty, but I hated seeing that. Wait, so he hit his he hit his tee shot over there. Yeah, so he he like duck hooked one, or I wouldn't say duck hooked, but like he hit it left, like by one of the scoreboards, one of the scoreboards that are always there, by the way, not a temporary object, and he got a drop from it and he chipped in from there. So that's, that's how he jump started that round.
2: Yeah, there you go. So that's, but that's, that's what you were saying, Banks. It's like, it's the same thing, you know, they, they, they give you an inch and then they just fucking slam the door closed.
1: Exactly. Um, comes to this year, I mean, we've got a big three going for sure. They've kind of separated each other from the pack. I think you've written a good amount of it, wrote some about it. Um, today, I guess we're recording on Monday the twenty fifth. but, um, what's your, what's your insight on the, on the big three and, and who's, who's kind of got the ball right now and who's it going to be yeah. this, this upcoming week?
2: Scotty has the ball right now, but it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. I, I had a, like a very serious conversation with myself. I mean, serious by by golf writer standards um, after Riviera. And I like kind of shook myself and I'm like, John Rahm is the best. Don't, don't let yourself like deviate from this opinion. John Rahm is the best player in the world. He's going to win the masters. Like let's not overcomplicate this. And then, you know, one round in, he shoots seven under at Bay Hill. And you're thinking, yeah, I mean, he's going to, he's going to win the tournament. He's going to win every tournament. He's going to become, you know, t- he's going to be like a tiger season plays bad. The rest of Bay Hill withdraws from the players did not look very good. It wasn't just that he went one and two, last week in Austin, he did not look very good. He did not play well against Ricky. He did not play well against um, Billy Horschel. So right now, you know, Scotty definitely has the ball. I, I I still think Rory is, I mean, it's, it's hard to say this. He's, I think he's overrated right now. I think the fact that he's number two in the world is, is a little silly over Rom. Um, you know, he, he hasn't, like one really in what's the last tournament that he was has he won since the tour championship. I mean, I guess he won in, he won in Europe last year, right? Didn't he win Dubai? But other than that, I don't think he's, he's really won anything. You know, he finished second at uh, at Bay Hill. He finished third this week, but like, I don't know, man, if, you, if you're going to go out there and say that the only thing that matters are majors, uh, which he said in, in trying to say that he was going to use the shorter ball, no matter what, which I thought was one of the <laughs> silliest, silliest remarks that I've ever heard. Um, but then I'm not going to look too much into your WGC match play, you know, performance. So or, or the FedEx Cup for all that, you know. Despite him winning it last year, so I think I, I don't think um, Rory has earned his place in that big three right now. He's definitely in it, like the the odds makers put him in there, and just the conversation like we're having is that he's the big three. But I still think it's Scotty and Rom are, are, are half step above Rory, who's then a half step above everybody else. I just. You know, I just I need to see it in a major. I'm saying he said it himself. He he made the rules, right? Like we got to see it in a major.
0: That almost feels like a good spot to him for me. Honestly, mm-hmm. it feels like every year we go into it, and it's like, what's he going to do this year? Oh, I'm going to play, you know, the Valero this year. I'm going to not play the Valero this year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get blackout drunk the night before Thursday. Like it, it's just like, I don't know. It feels like he's kind of saying sleeper is wrong, especially like we're, you know, ostensibly two weeks out at this point, but. I don't know. It feels a little bit quieter than, than normal.
2: Yeah. I mean, everyone's a sleeper when Tiger's playing. That's that's just the truth. It, it, and it's even more so, it's even more true than it ever has been. Like the, the longer this goes, the crazier the story gets. Especially with this, you know, with this stuff with his wife. Like he's gonna be asked about that a hundred times on Wednesday on Tuesday or whenever he goes to the like I remember thinking going to the going to the Genesis, and I was very curious if it was still gonna feel like just totally the Tiger show. Because you had Scotty was playing great and Rom was playing great and you have this awesome golf course and it's the first designated event at you know, Riviera and everyone's playing and it was just completely the Tiger show, like not even remotely close. And it's going to be like that again. I mean, it's, it's just going to be the same thing again. So yeah, I think Scotty, Rory and Rom are, the, are probably the biggest Tiger fans because they know that him being there will take so much attention and so much oxygen away from, from that narrative. You think there's too much scar tissue for Rory at this point where it's just never going to happen? Never's a long time. Um huh. look, he he he's so you could not make a golf course that on paper. I mean, I guess it's a little bit a little bit more exacting than you'd like it to be with the wedges and the putting, but like his game fits perfectly. I mean, he hits it miles. He hits it right to left. He hits it miles in the air. I mean, he makes a ton of birdies. It's a course that by all accounts, should be right up his alley, and it and it has been right up his alley. He's been in the top ten basically every single year. He just kind of shot himself in the foot with some opening rounds. Um, no, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's never. I do think it will happen. Um, but I think you can still think it will happen without thinking it will happen this year. And you know, I just, I, I just again, I don't. I don't feel like he's quite earned um, necessarily the the conversation that he's in right now. I think Scotty's going to win it. I think we're, you know, I think we're kind of overthinking it by saying anybody else. He's a defending champion. He's playing fantastic golf. And he, if there's one guy who I who I would be comfortable betting on and knowing that he's not gonna be overwhelmed by the moment or overwhelmed by the expectations, it's Scotty because he just he just is impervious to that stuff. He just doesn't pay any attention to it. Rory is Rory is keenly aware of what's going on. If you've if you've written something, Banks, he's read it, and I I mean that like he uh, he's gone, but he he reads everything. You know, he talked, he tried to say a couple a couple years ago that he was like off social media, and then you'll see him in person, and he'll remark on like every article that's been written. So, Rory is very very aware of what's being said. Uh, Rom less so, but Scotty Scotty just couldn't couldn't care less about it. So, yeah, I think from what I saw this past week, his game is in perfect shape. And and I'm sure you know he'll, he'll he's got he's overflowing with confidence right now because why wouldn't he be he's got you want to talk about scar tissue Scotty has none I mean even Rom has had chances to win majors and hasn't played well and you know he still kind of only has one which you know one is major is a, a tremendous accomplishment but Rom is I think he's my age he's 28 you know I think we'd expect him to have more than one by now Scotty's got no scar tissue at all
0: that's why I thought the Scotty Kepka comparison was especially prescient on full great where. You're talking about Kepka where, you know, back in 2019, he's, you know, going on PMT and he's like, you know, I'm the cool guy. I don't care. I just show up to majors and it's just like the easiest thing for me because it's it's hard for all these other guys because they're not confident. They don't believe they can win. And Scotty is like he's not, you know, he's not aggro in the Brooks way. Right. He's a little bit more wholesome. He's kind of a family guy. You can tell like there's. You know, I don't want to say that he's not conscientious in the way that Rory is, but he's just there's not as much going on up there. There's, just, there's not as much rattling around. So it kind of does feel like he is that alpha dog right now.
2: Yeah, I, thanks. You, you you cut out for a second there, but I was just telling Jake how Rory <laughs> reads absolutely everything. I mean, I, I know for a fact he's, he's read a bunch of things you've written, a bunch of things I've written. Like he he's just very, very aware of the conversation and aware of. Uh, the public discourse whereas scotty doesn't and i feel like that works works in his favor i you know if i was a sports psychologist i would tell rory like what the fuck are you doing reading dan rapaport's writing that guy's a loser but he reads it all the time
1: yeah and i i i happen to know that he had a thing with foreplay where he was wasn't like a beef or anything but he just wasn't really i'm not doing things with those guys i'm not you know, for whatever reason, who knows yeah. what that reason was, I, that was like a thing maybe up until 2020 2021. And I think eventually the, the boys cut through with, with the tailor made partnership and that type of thing. But it doesn't shock me that he reads everything. He, he just seems like he reads everything about everything. He's just
2: Even to having, he's, guys.
0: having remained friendly with the NLU guys, I think he didn't do their stuff for a while too, because he was just like, I, I just can't handle all the you know media and all that stuff. Like I'm just going to like detox myself. And to your point, Dan, maybe he's not actually doing that, but that was kind of his effort to. Uh, and- yeah,
2: I don't think he's actually doing that because I had a conversation with him uh, in Phoenix where I asked, I was like, why don't you like, like come on the podcast? Like we'd love to have you. And basically, the same conversation I had with a bunch of people. And he's like, "Ah, uh, like I think people are tired of hearing from me. You know, like I'm gonna go quiet for a while." And then he like goes on nail- no laying up two weeks later to make his like rollback stance known. So I think some people just can't help themselves. I think Max Home is another person who, like, do they know that that staying off social media and not reading everything would probably be better for their performance? Yes. Have they been told that by trained professionals? Yes, but some people just can't handle it can't, can't help themselves.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where like, that <laughs> it just shows how human they are because like, mm-hmm. for me, it will probably be better for me working an office job. For Brian, to some of the stuff we were talking about before we got going, staying off social media might be better for us. Uh, you know, in an office job, but uh, we we just can't help ourselves. So it's relatable from that perspective, I think. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess you know, we were talking on ROM a little bit there. I I kind of feel I I'm kind of starting to feel like that you bringing up him as an option is starting to make me feel that way because I saw Scheffler on a competing sports book as like the third most favorite. And so I threw some money on that yesterday after, uh, after uh, the tournament. Um, But Rom, if you could just talk a little bit about what the vibe is around him right now, Um, what's coming out of his camp. How are you feeling about uh, him as an option here? Because I don't know, that's, that's pretty intriguing. He's was kind of weirdly a forgotten man for me up until right now. I
2: mean, yeah, it's just amazing how fast the conversation
0: moves. But like I'm looking at his stats right now. He's
2: first overall in strokes gained overall. He's third in strokes gained T to green. He's fourth in strokes gained approach. Fifth in driving distance. So he's smashing it this year. Third in greens and regulation. Like the the numbers all check out. And he's a guy who we've expected for so long to emerge as the guy. Like I think we've I think if you talk to other players who know him and who have watched him up close, like he's the one that's, that's what Eddie pepper said on Twitter. Like he's the one. And so I think we thought that earlier this year was the beginning of, of him separating himself. And it seemed like he was going to win six times this year and two majors. And he still could, right? I mean, it's been one withdrawal and one match play tournament um, and, and three bad rounds at Bay Hill. So this could be a giant overreaction. We tend to do that in the media. That's a little little trick of the trade. But like, you know, it it, some of the shine has definitely come off since Riviera. I think I think if you if you looked at the odds, you know, after Riviera, he was the clear clear favorite to win the Masters and to win every tournament he would play this year. You know, now it's not just the fact that it's that it's anyone who's gone on a run. It's Scotty, and it's it's Scotty before the Masters where he won it last year, and it feels very very similar to last year. Obviously. He didn't win the match play like he won the match play last year. But if he makes that five footer against Sam Burns to close him out, you know, is it is it really a big difference? It's not. So he his game was good enough to win. He was dominant at the players, winning the players championship and doing it the way that he did it. Uh, like Banks said, kind of just never really blinking. That's the toughest. That's arguably the toughest tournament to win in golf uh, and to do it for the first time. So. Yeah, I mean, he's he, I, he would be my number two pick,
0: uh, and I, I do do like a full field rankings. I, I'm pretty sure he'll be number two. But yeah, as of right now, Scotty has the upper hand. Getting down to that next tier of guys, Justin Thomas has won a major championship within this last calendar year, but it feels like we haven't heard from him much at all in uh, in 2023. What are what are kind of the vibes around him? And then some of that lower tier of guys, who do you have in that kind of beyond that big three as uh, guys that you're looking at?
2: Yeah, I mean, Justin Thomas has been disappointing this year. I I think he'd be the first to tell you that he's very tough on himself. I I know he's very always knows where he's at in the world rankings and the FedEx Cup standings. And today he dropped out of the top 10 for the first time, I think in six years. Um, So that'll piss him off for sure. He definitely doesn't believe that there are 10 golfers better than him, but look, the numbers are what the numbers are. It's not like it's been a disaster this year. I don't think he's missed a cut. Yeah. He's made, he's made the cut in all eight starts this year and he's got six top 25s. So like that looks good on the surface, but he hasn't really had a chance to win a golf tournament. And I think if you're going to hang in that conversation of with those three guys that we've talked about, or even with a Xander Shoffley or with a Patrick Cantlay or with a you know these guys who seem to have a chance to win quite often, even if they don't get it done, JT just hasn't really been up there. And you're right, like you know if you're not up there and you're not winning, then you're not really doing press conferences. And so it does feel like there's there's sort of an all time low hype on JT which was kind of how it was last year too. And look, if you look at his year last year, it was not that good of a year. He just, he won a major. And if you win a major, you know, obviously that becomes an excellent year. Um, but it was kind of a, it was kind of an isolated event last year. Like it wasn't like he was playing, you know, all that well coming in. He had, a, I think he finished fifth the week before. I'm looking at it right now with the Nelson, but like, it wasn't like he was winning early in the year. He's obviously a guy who can turn it on for one week, but you're right. The, the the hype on JT is about as low as it's been probably since, you know, he came out in 2017. Um, and this is, you know, this is not exactly a, uh, a crazy deep pick, but I, I think Jason Day is going to be there with a the chance on Sunday. And, you know, I think a lot of people think that um, just how well he's playing and he, he has a really good history at Augusta. Uh, I think he's got three top five finishes. He had a, a chance to win his first one. I think it was his first one in 2011. Go watch the videos of that. I mean, he's he's got the long hair. He's got the white driver. It is like the most 2011 thing that you've ever seen. But um, just puts it so, so, so beautifully. Really hitting the ball very well. He's been a top 10 machine this year, working his way back up there. So, And he's still, you know, he's 35. We, we think of him as like this old fossil. But 35 used to be... The prime of golfers, we're just we've moved his into his age in his fifties. Yeah, his, his body is in his fifties, and I will say I did not love seeing him like whatever happened to him on Saturday. I, I, they said it was vertigo, and then it was allergies. It's like, come on, man! Like you know, I, I so I, I do worry about that a little bit of whether he can close it out. But he's he's playing fantastic. His swing changes with Chris Como really, really starting to look solid out there. Uh, he's playing without pain, which is really important. And again, I just think someone who's as, as creative uh, and is as, as sort of an artist around the greens like he is and with his putting touch like I, I think he's got a really really good chance
1: I've been big on the Jason Day train here for a couple months and for all the reasons that you said he, he's looked more the part I mean he's obviously not that 2015 2016 Jason Day that was far and away the best player in the world but he's looked closer to that than how he looked for the last three or four years and like you said He finished second in his first go, and then he withdrew from the next attempt and then came in third the next year. And so I think there's been this stigma around him like, okay, this is a guy who's an Augusta national guy. Here's a guy who's going to come every year and contend every year and eventually break through. And he's kind of fallen off the map on that regard. He missed a couple cuts. He um, didn't even qualify last year. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And to your point on JT, I kind of put him in the bucket in terms of, his type of game seems like one that should thrive at Augusta. It's a, you know, shot making course, second shot golf course. Um, he's been my pick to win three years running. Um, I just can't quit him, but this yeah. year feels like the year to quit him, which means he's inevitably
0: content. And you talk about the shot making in 2021. He was working that draw, um, going like he won the players with it. And then you know, I get—I think it was like Saturday—and he was trying to do it on 13, and he just blasted one up into the woods. And it, I think he like made a double or something on that hole that basically killed his tournament. So maybe he overthinks it a little bit. I also he
2: kind of he, he his his results were improving, right? Like I think he finished fifth one year. Like he was getting up there, and then last year I don't think he did anything. But you're right; it it does seem like a course where he would he would eat, but for whatever reason hasn't happened but you know i talk about under the radar you know he might not even get a press conference before like he's you know he doesn't really deserve one with the with the way he's played this year not that you need to deserve a press conference i'm just saying the attention on jay you know he's usually a guy that we're talking about in the same sentences as rom and scotty and rory and and he's not right now
1: and last time i looked he's 20 to 1 to win and jason day is 25 to 1 they're in the same stratosphere in terms of this tournament which seems bananas to think about At any point in the last five years. So we've we've made it a good 25 minutes here without talking about, you know what? Do you want to keep that going or do you want to dive into that a little bit?
2: I don't even know what you're talking about.
1: The old the big elephant in the room, the champions dinner in the clubhouse. Oh, oh, live golf. By the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I didn't yeah. Um, I think it's gonna be a big nothing burger, honestly. Um, I I I just think like these guys the last place they want to antagonize is Augusta National. Everyone just worships the place. It's it's almost a little bit strange how much everyone worships the place. Um, but it definitely has this aura. And I think I don't know if they've if they've reached out to them explicitly, but I, I definitely think that the people who I've spoken to who are playing in this tournament know that this is not the time for that sort of drama. That being said, that being said, Patrick Reed will be there. And Patrick Reed is not a rational actor. Um, so, you know, could things go haywire? Absolutely. I think the champions dinner, I think Scotty will say, and he's kind of the right guy to, to take the heat out of a room. Cause there's not really a lot of heat in any room that he's in. Uh, I, I think he'll, he'll get up there and he'll say, listen, you know, let's just address it. Like, obviously it's been a, a crazy couple of years, but for one night, let's put this aside and, and just celebrate each other. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, s- s- definitely, people will be asked about it all week. I just I can't see anything happening, to be honest.
0: What do you guys think? Is Sergio going to wear the Fireballs logo? On- yeah.
2: So Sergio's going to be there too. Like that's that's the things that the guy. I keep on thinking to myself, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And then it's like, well, you know, the guys who want to live are a little bit, you know, a little yeah. bit out there. Like Bryson's going
0: to be there as well. Yeah. Like, and like I don't mean to cut you off, but like that's the whole thing with like these guys. Like I, I tend to agree with you with my gut and that I don't think anything crazy crazy is going to happen. But there's a reason that all those guys wound up going over there. Not that they're all like malcontents. Some of them are uh, yeah. not all head cases, but some of them are, it's like, it's just this collection of guys where it could be a powder keg a little bit where I think Brooks, you know, maybe if he talks to the media, I'm not sure if that'll happen, but I think I could see him getting testy. You know, I could see Sergio getting a little, uh, a little testy as well. I could see Reed, who knows what's gonna happen with him and uh, his constituents? I don't know if they'll be allowed on the grounds. Uh, I'm sure one Twitter account is gonna be pretty active uh, on his behalf. Um, and yeah, it's just gonna be it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be something uh, something to follow. and I think with you being there on the grounds i'm I'm pretty jealous. Yeah, I mean, like look, they might get testy with us if we ask the
2: questions, they probably will. I met more like with each other, I, I can't see them beefing with each other, but again, it's possible. you know, these guys like Sergio, I'm trying to think of any of the older, other like kind of mouthy like Westwood won't be there, but like Sergio is a guy who just, just doesn't give a fuck anymore. I mean, the guy withdrew from Wentworth and then went to college game day, you know, a day later, like, you know, obviously he doesn't really care anymore about pissing people off. So uh, it'll be, it'll definitely be worth keeping an eye on. And that's an interesting question about the fireballs thing. So my, my inclination would be yes, because that's what they're paying them for is to, is to advertise these brands. But you know, if there's one place that would say, you know what, let's let's just, just don't do that this week. And then the guys would actually listen, it's Augusta National. So I'm sure Liv is telling them to be on your best behavior, you know, represent our organization well, uh, turn the other cheek. But again, like we said, these are not
0: goody two shoes who are who are there. What's going on with Greg Norman? Is he still Empowered. Yeah,
2: he's still there. You know, it's funny. I have you're not the fr- only person who's wondering that. We asked Thomas Peters on the podcast and he was like, "Yeah, like I you know, he's at the player meeting, he's everywhere." Uh he, he does seem to be a bit quieter, definitely on Twitter. I don't know if you got to remember that guy answers to some scary people. So, if someone says to him, "You're going to turn down the Twitter because I don't think it's working for us," then he's going to turn down the Twitter. Like that's, you know, he he takes orders from the the investor as they call him um mr yasir al-rumayan the investor uh such a such an ominous name it's like yeah i like think i think he's still around that. yeah that, he's the he's the guy who it, runs the yeah. pif they they just call him the investor it's 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 like it's bizarre it's like out of a movie
1: it's like the guy in a dark room and uh what's the what's the dumb game show with the suitcases
2: oh dealer no deal yeah he's the banker. yeah yeah a hundred percent
1: he just sees everything
2: uh, he won't be at the Champions Center, that's for sure. He did not win the Masters, but it would be crazy if it, if he was. <laughs> Imagine if he had just closed it out and he was there. Oh my goodness!
0: Well, aren't they? They they're buying up land over there, right? They're going to start their own Masters. I mean, who knows, man?
2: The rumor mill. I, I've heard rumors that they bought this land and that land, and there was a rumor last year that they were going to have a tournament the same week as the Players for a hundred million dollars. That just never happened. So, it's been rough. I you know I haven't had like very many live scoops because I just I I genuinely don't know what to believe. Like. There's there's been so there's been so much misinformation. There's been so many, like so many guys I've heard are definitely going, definitely going, definitely going that don't go. And then a guy that you did never heard of going, and it's like, oh, Brendan Steele is going to live. Like, what? Where did that come from?
1: What a get for them there, Brendan Steele. No offense. <laughs> he almost, to Brendan won.
2: Steele, he but... almost won. He almost won. He almost
1: won. Good for him. I mean, Danny Lee, too, didn't get anything done here on tour for a long time. Not to not to knock him as a player, but I mean, what a breakthrough for him. Um,
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, people who are saying like, oh, well, that's going to make it more enticing for like middle of the road PGA Tour pros to go over. It's like, yeah, if you're a middle of the road PGA Tour player, like, you know, go go have at it. That's not going to change the balance of power. So, you know, I don't see that being like a huge, a huge impact here. but. Look like if you're Danny Lee and you yeah you won one time and 300 starts and then you go over there and you win your what was it second event and you win four million bucks like more power to you dude I have hold absolutely nothing against you
1: yeah so Augusta National has been regarded as a course that's learned over years experience plays a lot but we've seen in recent years a couple players just kind of break that mold Jordan Spieth obviously being one of them Will out Taurus last couple of years. Do you see any of the debutants or, or players that have maybe played once or twice um, kind of making a breakthrough as a contender that you wouldn't necessarily think like, oh, this guy could be in the mix?
2: Yeah, per se. I think that's I think that's kind of a myth, what you were talking about. And I like that you sure. cited those two examples because, you know, guys are so smart about golf courses nowadays. Everything's broken down on a mathematical level. And and yes, I understand that, like seeing a course. Is important, but it's not like they just like never. It's not like they don't play a practice round. I mean, all these guys have gone before. They've played it before. They'll play it three times earlier that week. They grew up watching it. I guess there are certain shots where you know it, it would be beneficial to have experience, but you know, Zalatoris was really, really close to doing it his first try. Someone's going to end up doing it their first try. And I also saw Jennifer Cupcho in the first Anwa shoot 67 with one practice round. So, and you know, I, I'm I'm over this. You need to see the golf course a trillion times. <laughs> um, you know, at the risk of, of being a, a recency bias, you know, Cameron Young is just a guy who is just frightening when he's, when he's playing well, he makes so, so, so many birdies. Um, and he was up there last year. I remember at Tulsa in, in at Southern Hills in the PGA, he, he, just, he just hangs around because he makes so many birdies. Um, and I, and I think he can just feast on those par fives. So I know it's not his first time. He actually is it his first time? Would he have played it last no, year? No, he 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 missed the cut last year. Okay, he missed the cut last year. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a guy who I who I could see um, playing well this year. So who else? Who are the rookies like this year? Like Sawhith will be playing it for the first time. Tom, yeah, Tom. the top. Tom Tom Kim is the
1: top ranked. Uh, yeah. is twentieth. I've got the whole list here. Um, Ryan Fox is 36th in the world. Taylor Moore, Mito, Spenson, Ronk and i couldn't believe this when i saw it because zuki higa could have the pronunciation there wrong amateur he's top 100 in the world
2: yeah well that's it's tricky with that was the whole drama with Keita nakajima being the number 1 amateur in the world is because these guys play some japan tour events and they win and then it's like all of a sudden they're top 100 in the world but it's very hard to none of those none of those guys have really except for hideki have really panned out so I think there's like something a little bit wrong with the Wagger system. Wow, Mito, Mito might be one and done. I mean, he's one of those guys who he got in right. He would have gotten in on his uh, on his world ranking, or I guess I guess on his finish at at Southern Hills. But yeah, Thomas Peters. I know he was saying it might be his last one, and he's just like totally okay with it. It's just fascinating, man. It's such a weird, weird time in golf. What a weird time we're living yeah. through.
1: And I think it's a, it's a little bit of an overlooked storyline every year but I think it could be an especially exciting one this year is the whole top 12 gets you into next year's masters.
2: Oh, it's big Uh, last
1: year. I want to see one person had, had a big putt there on, on 18 or something. Like he may have made birdie and he kicked out like Harry Higgs and, and another person. I forget, I forget exactly who it was and how it played out, but Harry Higgs came in 14th last year and missed out because of one little thing here or there. And it's, yeah, I remember Lee was like right around it.
0: Yeah. Min Woo went below. Yeah. I think on maybe a front nine, on maybe like a Friday or something, and he got yeah. like 29, and it was like, oh gee, like this is cra- like what's going to happen here? And I think he ejected a little bit on the back nine, but that yeah, was- no, I,
2: he finished 14th also. But I remember he was like, he was bummed that he didn't, finish, you know, top. You're right, top 12. No matter what happens in the world of golf, no matter where you play, you're back the following year. It's interesting. It seems like a lot of top 12 seems like a lot, but I guess you know the vast majority of the guys who finish in the top 12 are like good enough players where they're going to make it on their own, but you're, you're hundred percent right. If you know, we could see Thomas Peters in, in ninth and that would be like a big storyline because he needs to get back there next year.
0: Yeah, definitely the, the tightening of the belt, I think across the board, not just for like the majors, but for the tour too. I'm, I find myself following the FedEx cup more like way more than I used to now. Um, just with all the designated events and those kind of exemptions, it really is interesting.
2: Yeah. The top 50 means something this year. Uh I'm a big fan of what they did with the designated events not the no cut aspect I think that's silly and a bit of a cop out but there's been a lot of bloat on tour for a long time uh it's been pretty good for the you know between 80th and 120th player on tour like that guys had a really really good kind of cushy existence you can I mean there's so many guys who finish like third in one fall event and fifth in another fall event and basically they're good for the rest of the year uh that's no longer the case so it's definitely more competitive definitely more of a doggy dog world out there but the rewards are higher than they've ever been for those who earn them. You just got to go out there and earn them.
1: I suppose we'll get you out of here on this. You got picks? Who are you feeling this year?
2: Give for the, the masters. You you yeah. already you got to the I mean, I I yeah, I mean Scotty and Jason Day are gonna be the two guys I'm gonna bet on. i probably t- my my biggest bet of the week would probably be Jason Day to finish top five. Um, and it's great timing that we're finishing this up because my fiance just walked in and the dogs are barking now. But um, I would say, sorry, I would say J Day top five would pick. But like I, I do think Scotty's gonna win the tournament. I'd be very surprised if he does not have at least a chance. He's just, it can happen, right? We we said the same thing going into Southern Hills last year and he missed the cut. So golf is very strange. Rom could win by five. There's all these disclaimers that you guys know. But as of right now, I'm feeling pretty good about Scotty. There you have it. Cool.
1: Thanks for joining us, Dan. You, you got anything you want to plug? I think people generally know where to find you, but feel free to plug away. Nah,
2: just keep reading Banks' and stuff. He's doing a great job. We're all one big team, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks, thanks Dan. That, man. Thanks cool. for coming. Cool. See you guys.